with the ace, yeah. Fizzle man with the face, yeah. Sexy beats call me Nate, yeah. Got too much sauce on my plate, yeah. Devin Owens with the left hand, shout out D Money from the West, man. E Mac on the true boy, yes, white Jesus, stay blessed, man. It's about time, ain't it, Johnny? But I can't name like everybody. Shout out Big Jerm, Katrina Allen, Val Jenkins, Wysocki, Seppo Payu, Matt Dollar, Sarah Holcomb, I say, boy, stop me. Jessica Weiss, that girl is a beast, they crushing in like double G, yeah, yeah. Hello, Disc Golf World, and welcome to the very first episode of Off the Chains, a disc golf podcast for those who have a true love and passion for the sport. I'm your host with the most, Cody Intervold, PDGA member number 148739. This episode of Off the Chains is sponsored by Simeon Brothers Creative. Design, print, promotion. A graphic design company owned and operated by my father, Eric Intervold. Great designer with great and fair prices. For any of your graphic design needs, follow Simeon Brothers on any social media platform. That's S-I-M-I-A-N Brothers Creative. Alright, everybody, and welcome once again to Off the Chains. Now, this was an idea I have wanted to do for a couple years now, so thank you to those willing out there to spend an hour with me every Wednesday night and allow me to and give me the opportunity to talk about things disc golf. So thank you very much. All right, moving into our weekend recap. And let's start off with the AM side, which is my domain. And that was at a PDGA C-tier event hosted by my buddy Damon Morsetter this past Saturday uh, called the FAM Cody Drew Classic down in Decatur, Illinois. Now this one had a special place for me as this was my very first tournament ever as last year saw me taking a fourth place finish in MA4 so I wanted to go back and kind of try and redeem myself and try and take it down as best as I could. However, I tried to push myself this year in MA3 as I saw myself two points away from moving up to MA3 and even though it didn't go how I wanted, I had a lot of fun as usual any other tournament I have played. Uh, The event was a two-round, one-day shotgun start, as it saw wind round one and heavy wind and rain round two. And let me just tell you, round two was not fun at all, as my putting was fine, but I was just kind of having grip issues with my drives and upshots. I'm trying to think of what happened. Uh, Round one started rough, as I was starting seven over through the first 13 holes. Uh, but managed to birdie for the last five holes to finish three over after one round and tied for third. Uh, as we had an hour lunch, a torrential downpour decided to come out of nowhere for round two. And even though I started off round two on hole 12 with a birdie, I ended up finishing 11 over for the round, 14 over for the event, and shooting an 846 event un- uh, average rating, which is unfortunately two points under my rating, and still took... S- but I unfortunately, or I'm sorry, I still was able to take 6th place. And however, and this is the part that kind of sucks, if I were to have played MA4 like I originally planned, instead of doing MA3, I would have won by a stroke. So that kind of sucked a little bit. But, uh, you know, learning experience, and if you never push yourself, guys, to be honest, you'll never reach your fullest potential. Uh, so as I always say, on to... The next one. 
Um, overall, though, I had a good time despite the weather, and definitely we'll be back next year. So thank you, Damon, and to the family of Cody Drew for putting on, once again, a fantastic event. And also congratulate to all, uh, congratulations to all the winners out there of the fam. Um, yeah. The people that were able to shoot under par still during that torrential downpour, um, good for you. Because that is ridiculous, and that's impressive. So whoever got the under pars for MVP, or MVP, because that's my next topic, um, for the open side, for the advanced, and even intermediate, anybody who shot under on that, good for you. That Especially in that rain, holy cow, that's ridiculously good. <clears throat> All right. Moving on to our pro side of our weekend recap, which was a DGP, uh, excuse me, DGPT Elite Series event in Leicester, Massachusetts. If I said that wrong, I apologize. At Maple Hill Farm called the MVP Open, where it was full of a bunch of excitement and also drama. It gave us a chance to see Paul Macbeth possibly get a chance for a three-peat, Eagle, uh, we also, but we did witness, however, Eagle getting a big lead and also losing it going into the final round. Uh, the MVP Open this past weekend also saw two aces, one on hole five and also one on 16. And also pure incredible dominance by, for, or from, I'm sorry, one FPO player. All right, well, let's start off with the MPO side as it looked like an easy and big win for Eagle McMahon. Uh, but Adam, Pan Adam Hammes had other plans. Talk about round one stats. Um, let's just go over a couple here. Let's see. Um, round one, we saw Eagle coming off to a fast start. As he was... His first round saw... Sorry, my thing wants to load here. Here we go. Uh, his first two holes, he went uh, birdie birdie. Three and four were pars. Birdied on five, parred six and seven, bogey on eight, so he was two under, and then birdied nine, so he was three under through the front nine, and then holes 10 through 14 were all birdies, parred 15, bogeyed 16, and 17 and 18 he birdied, which put him at a nine under for the round, and it had a three-stroke lead on for the tournament at a 10.83 rated first round. Uh, putting Ricky Wysocki and Adam Tamas tied for second place, along with Joel Freeman and a six under, putting all four of them on the lead card for the next day. Um, and then Chase Carter would have seen Garrett Gerthy, Matt Orham, Paul Yulbari, and Ben Calloway, um, all shooting a five under par. Uh, stats for the first round um, hole one was a par four and averaged over par. Uh, holes 2 through 8 were all par 3s, and holes 2 and 3 averaged a little over par. Holes 4, 5 averaged under par. Holes 6, 7, 8, and... Holes 6, 7, and 8, I'm sorry, averaged over par. Uh, hole 9 was a 4, and it averaged uh, just under par. Hole 10 was a par 3, and averaged just over par. Um, 11 and 12 were par 4s and 11 averaged over par, and 12 averaged under par. Uh, holes 13 and 16 were all par 3s, and 13, 
and 14 averaged over par as 15 averaged under and 16 averaged over. Uh, and then the final two holes were both par fours, both seeing an average of over par. Uh, let's see here. Uh, round two, still saw Eagle get out to a, a, bit, a good lead again. Uh, finishing with an eight under par round for the second round. Uh, starting off one and two, birdieing those two. Uh, three through seven pars for him, and then he went on to birdie eight through twelve. Par thirteen, birdied fourteen, parred fifteen, and then bogeyed sixteen and birdie par on seventeen and eighteen. Um, getting a ten seventy rated round, um, and then put him at a four stroke lead above Adam Hammes and Joel Freeman. And also put a five-stroke lead on Matty O, uh, which let's see, saw those four on the lead card going into the final round. So at this point, because Eagle's my boy and he's my favorite player to watch, uh, at this point I was all excited. I even like pulled out the final day. I pulled out my you know my cloud breaker shirt. I pulled out my eagle hat. I pulled out the. Uh, just everything I could think of, like, Eagle-related, you know, like, even pulling out, like, Discmania stuff, like, anything Discmania-related I was wearing, you know, and um, just, like, being like, come on, we got this, let's get that fifth win, you know, let's chase Paul McBeth's record, yada, 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 and was going into the final round looking good, and then round three happened, <laughs> and unfortunately, Eagle, for the final round, shot a two- under par. He's, it saw Eagle shooting a birdie on one, parring on two, bogey three, par four, par on four, I'm sorry, and then birdied and birdied five, double bogeyed six, and then he parred seven, and he birdied eight and parred nine. So through the front nine, he was even par. Um, 10 through 12, he birdied, and then 13 through 17, it saw him with bo uh, pars. So he was at three over, or three under, I'm sorry, and then he bogeyed the final hole to get a two under and a 10.23 rated round, which his event average ended up being a 10.59 average, so that's actually four points above his rating, and finished with a tie for second uh, with Ricky Wysocki. Matt Bell finishing uh, in tied for fourth with Calvin Heinberg and Matty O. And also... Adam Hammes' final round to secure his final win was he shot a 9-under. So he was actually 4-under going in, and he ended up shooting 7 strokes under, more under par than the uh, that Eagle did. So actually he ended up finishing 3 strokes above Eagle McMahon. So as unfortunate as it was to see my boy go down the way he did, um, at the end of the day... Um, I was actually pretty happy for Adam Hammes the way he won it. Because I do like watching Adam Hammes play. That guy can throw ridiculously far. And it is the most impressive thing I have ever seen in my life. So, Also, I apologize if you guys have heard my cat in the background. She likes to make her an appearance every once in a while. So I apologize for her. I've been trying to chase her out of my room. She just keeps trying to come back in and meow. So if you hear a random meowing in the background, I apologize for that. Uh, she's just a cat that wants to be included in the show, I guess. So, yeah, let, I guess. So, um, 
But yeah, so Adam Hammes ended up getting a 9-under final round and beat Eagle and Ricky by three strokes. Event averaging at 1067 and shooting 29 points above his rate. So... Unfor like I said, unfortunate to see Eagle go down the way he did, but overall happy with the way that he, or the way Adam won, because he deserved that. Alright, so let's move on then after that. So now I'm going to bring you up uh, some stats I'd like to bring up to you, brought to you by your guys at Statmando. For those of you not checked out Statmando's website yet, please go do it. They have a great you know, um, stats mm -hmm. on their player profiles. Um, they have head-to-head um, -head things. So if you want to see, like, what's overall, you know, Paul McBeth versus Ricky Wysocki's, uh records against each other, stuff like that. You know, Kat Katrina Allen versus Paige Pierce, uh, stuff like that. So if you ever want to get that, get on Statmando because their stuff is ridiculous. So... We're going to start off by looking at the profile on Adam Hammes. Let's go. So after Adam Hammes' win over this past weekend at MVP um, for his career, that brings him up to 26 wins, 47 podium finishes, uh, with 93 top 10s. He has cashed 103 times at 130 total events for $90,803. Um, in just the last 12 months, however, this man has, has won five times, Seven podium finishes, 15 top 10s, 26 cashed events, and 20, at 26 total events at $39,976 in the last year. So this man has literally cashed at every single event he has played in the last year. His best um, finish was... First place, obviously, winning $7,500, and that was at the MVP Open with a 1070 rating round rate, uh, rating and 86-stroke tournament. Or, uh, wait, was that... I think that could have been, possibly... It might have been the, last, the whole entire thing. It says 86 strokes, but I don't know if that's how many... Is that how many strokes? No, that I mean that can't be in all three days. Well, whatever. Anyway, it says eighty-six strokes, but his average best place is uh, his, his average place is twelfth at six hundred ninety-eight dollars and forty-eight cents, uh, averaging out at around ten to eleven rating, rated at one hundred seventy-five strokes. And his worst finish of his career was in one hundred second, winning no no money, with a nine oh four rated round rated tournament at four hundred sixteen strokes. Which brought his total to $90,803, like I said, in his career with 22,407 strokes in his career. So that's actually pretty cool that they actually give you how many strokes he has had in his total in his career. That's pretty cool. But, let's see. His stat at... Uh, April Hill. Like, look at just look at these last uh, five events. Preserve. His rating, 1040, 1011. Or no, 1040, 1016, the preserve. Ledgestone, 1040, 1011. Okay, out of a while, he goes down two points at 1038 rated, 1038, 1031. Okay, still not great, 15th place on that at 184 strokes. He did cash out. 
and then he went Delaware, and he did 1038 rated uh, player, 1025 rated, 11th place, 197 strokes. Then we get to Maple Hill, MVP. 1038 rated player, 1067 rated tournament, first place, 158 strokes total. Okay, so there's the total strokes for that. $7,500 one. So Adam Hamish, this entire year, his, he's averaged at between 1050 or between 1010 and 1070 for his ratings. That is incredibly impressive. <laughs> wow. Um, let's move on to, like, I thought that was impressive. I can't imagine what, move on to the guy, man who got second, I guess. Let's move on to Eagle McMahon. Uh, let's see, Eagle McMahon's career has done 185 events, 158 events cashed, 156 top tens, 111 podium finishes, 49 wins. His best finish is first place, 7,500, 1079 rated, 41 stroke rated best round. Or 41 strokes was his best round. Averaging at 8th place, at almost 1,200 bucks, 1018 rated, 170 strokes. Worst he ever got was 180th, $0, 793 rated uh, rating on his round. That's got to be the worst. Wow. 356 strokes. In his career, he has cashed out at $214,367. Okay, now we get to the best parts of it. Eagle McMahon, last 12 months. 18 total events, 18 of them cashed. 15 top 10s, 11 podium finishes, 5 wins in the last 12 months. Let's look at Eagles wins. Okay, let's look at Eagle. Let's look go to Eagles uh, career since what since OTB, ten fifty rated, ten sixty eight rated tournament first place, Portland Open ten fifty ten fifty two first place, World Championships ten fifty two ten forty eight eighth place, Boulder County Classic ten fifty two ten sixty four. First place. Discraft Great Lakes Open. 10.53. 10.64. First place. The Preserve. 10.53. 10.62. Second place. Discraft. Uh, Le Discraft, sorry. Ledgestone. 10.53. 10.53. Third place. At the Ledgestone. Idlewild. 10.55. 1033, 12th place. And then just past weekend at MVP, 1055, 1059, and 2nd place. So Eagles since May of 2021 has done 2nd, 1st, 1st, 8th, 1st, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 12th, 2nd. Only one of those last... Nine events were, were top tens, or, or weren't a top ten. That's Eagle McMahon. That's insane. Okay. 
Now, let's go to the head-to-head between Adam Hammes and Ricky... Or, Ricky, I'm sorry. Um, Adam Hammes. Uh, I've never tried this thing on Stat Mana before, so I want to try this out. Um, where is Eagle? There he is. Okay. Alright. Comparing Eagle and Adam Hammes' head-to-head matchups. Wow. Okay, so at, like I said earlier, Adam had a four-stroke uh, lead he had to catch up to, right? And he ended up winning by three strokes. Check out these stats from Statmando between Adam Hammes versus Eagle McMahon head-to-head, okay? Adam Hammes, including including MVP, 5-31, and 31, two wins, zero seconds, zero thirds, about 39% top 10 percentage, and has 7,479 strokes. Eagle McMahon, 31 wins and 5 losses against Adam. 8 wins, 7 seconds, 3 thirds, just about 80.5% top 10% finishes at 7,129 strokes. So if you looked at those stats coming up from Statmando, you would think to yourself, well, Eagle, there's no way he's going to, there's no way he's losing. Adam just definitely pretty much showed the definition of defying the odds. So, again, congratulations to you, Adam Hammes. Well-deserved, my friend. Well-deserved. Because we can just go, like, we can just base it off this year. We can go by, since the start of the year, okay? So, Las Vegas Challenge. Adam Hammes, 14th. Eagle McMahon, 1st. Waco. Hammes, 34th, 47th. Texas State, 24th. 8th, Jonesboro, 5th, 3rd, DDO, 9th, 2nd, OTB, 9th, 1st, Portland, 18th, 1st, World Top Championships, 17th, 8th, D-Glow, 4th, 1st, The Preserve, 45th, 2nd, Ledgestone, 54th, 3rd, Idlewild, 15th, 2nd, and then MVP this past weekend, 1st, 2nd. That is insane. Those are ridiculous stats. So thank you to those from Statmando for those stats and bringing us those for us today. Okay, now, on to the FPO side where we saw my girl... Katrina Allen dominate once again and win yet another DGPT event this season with a four under tournament and also being the first FPO player this year to win a silver, at least win a silver series, an elite series, a major, which was world championships, and a national tour event. And And she was also the only FPO player to shoot under. Par. So my girl Katrina Allen taking it down, and when it just in, at the beginning it didn't look so hot for her, as Haley King made a lead, uh, ended up tying her, and then actually ended up taking the lead for a little bit, and then from holes like five to nine, I think Haley ended up going like five or seven over. It just ended up falling apart for her, and Katrina just f- ended up pulling away and didn't look back. So congrats to my girl once again for the win. Good on my girl. So, 
All right, Katrina Allen. Katrina Allen. Uh, Katrina Allen has been dominating a little bit this year. Let's see what her stats have been this year since Las Vegas. Las Vegas, second place. She did a thing called 19th Annual Crush at the Concho, first place. Waco, seventh. The Open at Belton, first. Texas States, fourth. Vintage, third. Jonesboro, first. DDO and OTB, second. Fifth at USDGC. And then she took second at Utah Open, Portland Open, and Santa Cruz Master Cup. Came, had a come-from-behind win at the pro, at the PDGA World Championships this year. Fifth at Des Moines. Third at Deaglo. Fifth at the Preserve. Seventh at Ledgestone. Fourth at Idlewild. And then first place the past two events at Delaware and MVP. In Katrina Allen's career, she has had 347 events. 313 of them cashed. 338 top 10s. 280 podium finishes, 174 wins. In the last 12, averaging at $245,653. In the last 12 months for CAT, 32 total events. 30, all 32 cashed. All 32 top 10s, 24 podium finishes, 10 of those were wins. Her best finish first place at 10,000, 10.07 rated round, 57 strokes in the round. Third place is her average at around $708, 957 rated at 207 strokes. Her worst finish ever in her career was at 93rd place, winning no money at 800 rated round and 447 strokes. And 347 events, 90% of them cashed, 97% of them top 10s, 81% of them podium finishes, half of them uh, with wins. Katrina Allen just dominated. It, it was insane. It was really insane. <laughs> uh, now let's go to Kona Panis. Statman was taking a time to be slow. Do to do do to do to do to do do do. Okay. Kona Panis ended up finishing second at one over. Kona Panis took second place. Kona Panis has had a little up and down year ever since she got her big win at Waco. Ever since she got first place at Waco. Kona Panis. Fourth place. 26. Sixth. Fifth. Fifth. Seventh. Eighth. Seventh. Third. Sixth. Twenty-fifth. 13th, 26th, 7th, 16th, 14th, 6th, 2nd. Panis, total events in her career, 140, 861 of them cashed, 102 top 10s, 44 podium finishes, 24 wins. In the last 12 months of her career, 25 events, 20 cashed, 18 top 10s, Four podium finishes with one wing. And 140 events. 17% wins. 31% podium finishes. 73% top 10s. 
44% cashed. Not as ideally as exciting as cats, but that's still pretty impressive. So, as we talk, speaking of them, why don't we do this too? While I have you here, let's see. Katrina Allen versus Kona Panis. Okay, in head-to-head -head matchups in their career, Katrina Allen versus Kona Panis. Ready for this? Katrina Allen, 71, in, 71 wins and 2 losses in head-to-head -head matchups against Kona. 18 of them were wins. 18 of them were seconds. 10 of them were thirds. Top 10% was at 98.63%. At 14,822 strokes. Kona Panis again in her career head-to-head -head against Cat. 2-71 with one win, one second-place finish, three third-place finishes, 52.05% top-10 finishes at 16,216 strokes. So basically, Katrina Allen is absolutely 1,000% dominated Kona Panis in pretty much any of their head-to-head matchups. So I was ex I was I was expecting her to be like ahead, but like seventy one and two. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So, but so congrats to the winners of the twenty twenty one MVP Open, Mr. Adam Hammes, present sponsored by Discraft and sponsored by Prodigy Disc for the FPO. My girl Katrina Allen. Hats off to them. Great wins this weekend. Excuse me. Okay, everybody, it is now time to get into our upcoming event coming up, which actually starts tomorrow, with the FPL starting at 8.30 in the morning on the Disc Golf Network, and that is the 2021 Discraft Great Mo Green Mountain Championships presented by Upper Park Disc Golf at Snug Smuggler's Notch in Vermont. A DGPT Elite Series event where last year saw a showdown between Kevin Jones and Paul McBeth for the MPL, and also a battle between Paige Pierce and Haley King for the FPO, as it was just pretty much a runaway for the FPO, as Paige Pierce ended up winning for the FPO at 14 under, Haley King finishing in second with a 12 under last year, and as third place saw Sarah Holcomb and Katrina Allen tied at 3 over. Discraft Green Mountain Championships is one of the premier disc golf events in the world, established in 2013. The Green Mountain, the GMC, as they also call it, quickly rose to prominence as a favorite stop. Several of the top disc golfers in the world, several as as a favorite stop. I'm sorry for several of the top disc golfers in the world. As the event gained high-level PDGA sanctioning, it joined the burgeoning disc golf pro tour in the year of its inception. Serving as its final and anchor event and tour championship building on the success of year one, the GMC was again placed as the final event of the tour in 2017 before taking a one-year leave of absence to host the 2018 PDGA World Pro World Championships. The GMC is back and better than ever for 2021. 
The Green Mountain Championships, or is called, also known as the GMC, is also the premier disc golf event in the state of Vermont and the biggest disc golf event in New England as well. After a successful event in 2013, the GMC expanded to become a PDGA Pro A tier and AM B tier in 2014. In 2015, the event grew once again to include 275 players and over a $30,000 pro purse, including $10,000 added cash. Uh, 2016 saw significant growth as the GMC joined the Pro Tour and hosted over 300 players, featuring live coverage from Smashbox and over $12,000 of added cash. Uh, 2017 saw a return of the Pro Tour, significant growth of Fall Fest, the GMC supporting live music and craft beer festival. Jeez, I can't even say festival right, that's funny. So, yeah, so Green Mountain Championship sponsored by Upper Park Disc Golf starts tomorrow, September 9th. FPO start teeing off at 8, uh, coverage starting for the FPO at 8.30 in the morning. Um... And it runs from third tomorrow, September 9th, to Sunday, September 12th on the Disc Golf Network, where the final round will be shown on YouTube. For those of you that do not have the network, please, I advise you to get on to YouTube, watch the final round of Green Mountain on Sunday, and then subscribe to that network. It's about $8.99 a month. If you have a PGA membership, it gets it half off at $4.99. It's worth it. Get it. Love it. Like it. Do it. As Shia LaBeouf always says, just do it! Alright, so now, I, before I get into talking more about Statmando, um, I have here, um, they had the Green Mountain Championship press conference earlier today, and this is, uh, what, Last year's MPO winner, Kevin Jones, what he had to say today, his interview. So, please enjoy. If I can get it to work, hang on. Do, 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 do. You gotta love ads, because this is YouTube. Also, if my podcast is not 100% perfect, I apologize. This is my first episode. Not everything's going to be perfect, your first ever episode. So I appreciate everybody being patient with me. Thank you. Here he is. The MPO side, Kevin Jones. How you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. And we are at the site of Green Mountain Championships. You took this down last year. Um, Going to be a bit of a different feel this year with spectators as compared to last year. Um, you know, not too many people out here watching. Anything different coming into this year compared to you coming in last year? Um, I wouldn't say so at all. I actually say I'm a little more confident this year than last year. Uh, what makes what makes the added confidence? Well, first of all, the fact that I've proved to myself that I can win out here. But um, second of all, I just feel a little bit more solid. I remember last year I didn't even feel uh, like I was 100% prepared for the tournament. Um, and this year I feel like I'm closer to 100% prepared. Putt feels really nice. That was obviously key last year. I was making a lot of putts. But um, I also played Brewster really well, and that's going to be a key... Um, so I'm going to try to play Brewster above average, obviously, but um, more confident in Fox. Sure. And these courses, you know, compared to a lot of the courses we were playing, even last week or earlier in the year, the open courses compared to Fox, a little shorter than a lot of those, you know, courses we played earlier. How do you feel like the field in general adjusts to maybe like 
you know, hole 17 over at Brewster's 550 foot par four, mm -hmm. a little bit shorter than like the 800, 900 foot we just played. Any change to like how the scores are, how the field is approaching these courses? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people enjoy Brewster a lot more because they have a, a better chance of scoring well on that on that course compared to other courses. I do think Fox, though, plays pretty short as well. I don't think Fox asks for a ton of distance. So, I mean, this is one of those tournaments that you can see a lot of people that you wouldn't expect up closer towards the top. So we're entering in the smack dab in the middle of this last little leg. Um, two of the most... I don't know, tournaments that we look forward to most throughout the year, Maple Hill last week and here, uh, Green Mountain Championships. Do you find yourself physically 100% or is it one of those nobody's 100% at this time of the season scenarios? Well, I like to take some good time off in my off season. So it's shown in my past performances that by this time of year, I'm usually playing really solid. Uh, I've never put really any great rounds in at Maple Hill. But this tournament, I've played very well pretty much every time I've played it. So I'm usually in pretty good form around this time. While maybe other people are getting tired, I'm not really sure. But I'm definitely not. I'm definitely um, about almost peaking, I would say. Well, it's a good time to be doing that. We've got a couple big tournaments coming down the stretch. But uh, before we get there, the weather is spectacular. Okay. And this year, you're freshly in a new van. Uh, what's it been like, you know, not having to worry about getting in a condo and kind of just like having that freedom? Well, a lot of people would think that the van is like an, like a not, not a very convenient way of traveling, but turns out it's literally the opposite for me. I don't have to plan near as many campsites and schedule a lot of things. While it's a little bit more go with the flow, you're going to be fine. You have your room. And as long as weather cooperates, as in like just being a decent temperature anywhere from 50 degrees to 75 degrees when it gets dark out you're set in the van mm -hmm. um well, as a car blast music driving by us uh have you found uh, a little road crew who you've been rolling with the past you know month or so mostly uh i mean i hang out with luke more than anybody i would say luke humphreys um but other people i'm i'm hanging out with would be ricky i, I love i really enjoy hanging out with ricky we got a lot of common interests and we can always we can always just shoot the crap together and just have a great time. Calvin is a great guy. He's like one of my favorites out there on tour as far as personalities. And he's a really good time to hang out with. Um, and then, I mean, I'm pretty much friends with nearly everybody on tour. But when it comes to Nate Perkins and James Conrad and Paige Pierce, that crew have been hanging out with a little bit more as well. And that's been, that's been fun. Uh, one of the coolest parts about this tournament is that Fall Fest, uh, a festival here at Smuggler's Notch coincides with the tournament. So Saturday, Sunday, there's going to be live music, uh, some drinks. Are you going to partake? Are you going to have fun? Or are you just game mode zoning? Well, I haven't really partaken in the past as much as I should have. Um, I guess I assume it's too good to be true that there could actually be some good acts at, like right next door to the course. And turns out there has been almost every year. So it's something that I definitely go and at least check out. Um, I'm not sure which day it is. I mean, if I play a tournament the next day, I'm obviously not going to stay up late and stuff. But um, as far as like going and checking it out and seeing some good music, absolutely down. It's too convenient. It's just right here. Yeah, I believe uh, 2018 Worlds, we had too many zoos playing, which, I mean, I feel like we all know who they are. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, what's it like playing a tournament where, or MVP and GMC, in my opinion, are similar in that everybody's, for the most part, on site. 
uh, whether they're staying on the course mm -hmm. at MVP Open or there's not the resort here, how does that change the vibe at the tournament, or does it? Um, I'm not quite sure exactly how it changes the, the vibe exactly. It, it's like more convenient, first of all, obviously. The thing about this one is the resort's a little bit pricey, so um, there is that factor. You're, you're going to be dropping a little bit of money in order to, to have this convenience of being really close. But when we all we all do that a couple times a year, and this is just one of those events, so everybody's really close. Like after your rounds, you got you go to this condo or this condo, and you're just gonna have a lot of people getting together and hanging out. This is you mentioned it. This is one of the stops that is tends to be a little bit pricier, right? We're not in just a Midwest town where there's cheap Airbnbs everywhere. I kind of think mm -hmm. Portland in that same you know, kind of vain, yeah. does that change your mind, or your attitude towards an event or your perspective on it? Or is it just like, man, eh, sometimes you got to be in places that cost a little more? I think it's that, the latter. Um, sometimes we just have to be in places that cost more. This is one of those where we are on a piece of property with two of the most awesome courses that you could imagine. One more wooded based, one more open based. Uh, there's definitely a price to be paid. Somebody's got to make some money with a beautiful piece of land like this and it's just one of those things. Speaking about the people who are in charge of this land, Jeff Spring lives an undetermined amount of distance <laughs> in one of these directions. That's hilarious, actually. And uh, he has been, uh, he's been an employee at Smokes for years before being, becoming the CEO, uh, but he's heavily responsible for how these courses take shape. Uh, do you feel like having someone so involved with disc golf, being in charge of these courses has made them, like, what they are? Do, do you, like... Is that a factor for you that Jeff's like got his handprint all over all this? For sure. There's nobody that puts his foot out for us like Jeff Spring. Somebody that listens to every complaint, good or bad. And like so much respect for that. That is absolutely going to affect this. Yeah. Well, about that's about all we have for you, Kev. Really, I appreciate your time coming out here and doing this. Uh, again, this has been Kevin Jones. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, so that was just Kevin Jones talking a little bit about uh, his past performances at Green Mountain, including taking it down last year. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see KJ take this or play this one because, gosh damn it, he deserves it. Uh, so, alright, moving back on to Stat Mandos. Uh, we don't have to do the uh, any more of those player profiles, but we will do a head-to-head because -head it was... Uh, grudge match last year between Kevin Jones and Paul McBeth. So we're just going to look up real quick the head-to-head matchups between KJ and Paul McBeth. Where is he? Oh, there he is. Okay. Compare. Alright. They have gone up against each other 64 times. Okay. Paul McBeth. 50 wins against Kevin, 13 losses, one tie. 21 of those are wins, 14 of them are seconds, 7 of them thirds, 89% top 10 percentage, 12,134 strokes. Kevin Jones, 13.50 and one record, with one win, one second, five thirds, almost 52% top 10 percentage. At 12,693 strokes. So looking at those stats, you would think that Paul McBeth could pull away with this easily. Nah. 
Nah. Kevin Jones looking like he's going to be unstoppable. So, well, one can only hope, I guess. <laughs> so, all right, moving on to the FPO side. And let's see if I can get Paige Pierce's... Um, we'll see if I can get her interview up here. But in, in the meantime, let's actually do FPO head-to-head -head between Paige Pierce and Haley King. Because that seemed like a huge battle between them last year. Um, sorry, it was space in there. Um, okay, they've gone up against each other 37 times. Ready for these stats? Paige Pierce, 34-3 and record, 20 wins, 9 seconds, 1 first, or 1 third, I'm sorry, 95% top 10 finishes, percentage, I'm sorry, 7,804 strokes. Haley King, 3-34, and 34, one win, three seconds, three thirds, 76% top 10 percentage, 8,312 strokes. So again, but I want you to know that Haley King, three of those, two of those wins were at Tour Championship last year and also an event, I believe, this year. Page, I guess Paige did not do an interview. She must have not done one. Okay. Unless I just skipped her. Did I skip her? Oh, was that Paige? Hang on. Sorry, it's a YouTube video. I'm just trying to see if I got this. No, it's not Paige. That's Haley King. Okay. Okay. So there's not one. Okay. But yeah, so all those stats over there, you would think Paige Pierce is going to run away. No. This, the way If it goes the way it did last year, it could literally be anybody's tournament. So, Green Mountain Championship, once again, tom from tomorrow, September 9th, to this Sunday, September 12th, with starting with FPO tomorrow. Round 1 coverage starts 8.30 a.m. Don't miss it, Disc Golf Network. Okay, now, before we get into the next sec part of the show, I guess I should say, I just want to take a second and thank a few people who, to be honest, without none of them, none of this would be possible. In a little segment I like to call, Thank You Notes. Where I'm sure you've all heard that, you know, I'm sure you've heard that saying before. Where... Um, he would do a little thank you, the thing. That's kind of pretty much what this is. So, okay, so just bear with me, because like I said, it's my very first time doing a podcast, and again, if there is a lot of mistakes, please let me know, and if there's anything I can easily fix, also comment in those, please. Much appreciated. I'm doing the best I can for my very first thing, kind of just winging it here. All right, so here we go. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for giving me the motivation and tools that I needed to become one of the best I could be at life and also pushing me to my fullest potential. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Kyle, 
for introducing me to the sport and giving me and introducing me to a love that I never thought I would have. So thank you. Thank you, Jack Fillenworth, Alex Ator, and Chris Lezzo, for pushing me to my fullest potential and believing in me and giving me the tools I needed to push on forward. Thank you. Thank you, Disc Golf Families, the Greater Joliet Area Association, and Circle One Disc Golf, for making me feel truly welcome into this amazing community. So thank you. Thank you, Sean and Sheila Callahan of Delwood Disc Golf, for giving me all the advice they could possibly give me and making me a better player, and also giving me advice on discs I should be using and throwing in my bag, and also for pushing me to be great. Thank you. Thank you again to my mother for being able to give me motivation after, before and after each tournament, and telling me no matter what happens, those with a good attitude We'll get we'll, uh, great things will come to those with a positive attitude. So thank you. Lastly, thank you, Nick Graham or Nick Carl and Matt Graham from the Nick and Matt Show for inspiring me to make my own podcast and giving me happiness. So thank you. All right, and that about wraps up the thank you notes part of that. And yes, I absolutely love everything about that little thank you music. I love every single thing about that. So. All right, now moving on to one of my favorite parts of the show, and in a segment I like to call What's in the Bag, where I, when I have a guest on, they will bring on their disc golf bag, and they will tell me what discs they throw, all the way starting from distance drivers all the way down to putters what they throw, what they use the shots for on the, you know, what this they use. But since I don't have any guests on my very first episode, I guess I'll have to tell you, talk about what's in my bag. So I'm actually going to start with putters. And what I'm throwing these days, I start uh, with uh, Paige Pierce's uh, signature putter, the Fierce. It's an understable putter, an approach disc. Um, I use this for more understable Anheuser putts uh, if I have to get like around a tree or if I have to have something s curved back into the basket I will definitely fierce is definitely one of my go-to's um, I also putt with pilots. They're more of a straighter putter uh, More of the inside the circle tap-in kind of things and also if I just need to do a straight jump putt uh, Pilot is definitely another good way to go uh, So the fierce and pilots are two of the discs I use um, and then I also end with soft challengers for overstable shots and hook shots. Something I need to fade hard. I will rely on the soft challenger. It's actually gotten me a lot of good, uh, sticky and good and sticky situations. So thank you for those soft challenger. Next, I would like to. I'm actually going to go backwards. So I'm actually going to do the approach next. And what I do for approaches is I have a. Uh, they actually don't make these anymore. Um, and that is a Latitude 64 Spike Burst Zero Hard Plastic. They actually don't make the Latitude does actually does not make these anymore. They're very rare to find. Uh, I actually lost one uh, up in Sterling at Sinisippi. 
um, just practicing throws just lost in the woods and actually spent 45 minutes looking because it was one of my favorites. I eventually gave up. Ended up getting dermatitis and it wasn't fun. Um, but I have the spike for approach shots for more understable slash stable approach shots. Um, I also uh, approach with harps for more uh, overstable shots if I need to get uh, up and over. I got on a uh, straight hyzer shots too, approach shots. So the two approach discs I'll go with are the spike and the harp. Um, going on to mids, mid ranges. First off, I have a drone, which is a, it's more of a straighter putter, or straighter uh, mid range, but which will have a late fade to it. So it's more if I need something straight with a late fade finish, I'll, I'll look towards the drone. Um, my other overstable mid-range I'll use for more uh, hyzer shots is the uh, Dismanium Method. Uh, it's definitely got me out of good shots and it's also a very good uh, hyzer mid-range disc. More of the stabler shots I'll use uh, a buzz, which if I need something with more of like an S turn, like a little turn but then a fade finish, I'll go with a buzz. Um, for more of the straighter shots, um, I'll go with uh, an MD. That's more of a straighter uh, mid-ranger. And then for the understable ones, I'll have a Buzz SS, which uh, will give me a turn, a strong turn, but then it'll give me a little late fade finish, which is kind of what I need in some, and actually on some holes that I play. And also I have a Soul, a Page Pierce Soul, which is actually one of my favorite discs in my bag. It's also one of my most reliable discs to throw. Um, and it's for my more just straight hook shots. Um, it's actually one of my most used uh, mid-ranges I have in my bag. So, those are my mid-ranges. And now we got fairway drivers, which I got an instinct. is more of like the straight, fade, late fade finishes again for fairways. Or if I need a strong hyzer shot, long hyzer shot. Uh, I, have an, I go for an essence for more straight S-curve uh, shots. And then for more hook shots, I just go with the Genius. Which this one I have currently has actually been more overstable than anything. So I think I just, I got the active plastic. I think I just need the active premium. Um, if I'm wrong, or maybe it's just a uh, misleading flight plate. I don't know. But I've tried, no matter how hard I try to put it on a hook, it just wants to keep going straight on me. Or over going overstable on me. So I guess I just got to work with it more. Alright, moving on to the distance drivers. I'm trying to rush a little bit because I am running out of time a little bit here. Okay. So now we have the Avenger SS. Uh, I have one that's a 170 gram weighted. And it's more of my ones that it's, uh, it's more flippy. And it's also my disc if it's not, not as windy out. Whereas I have another Avenger SS that is 174 grams. And it actually... It's, uh, it actually helps me uh, in windier days. And then I also go with a Mamba for more uh, straight turn shots. Uh, for stabler shots, I have a, uh, a ESP Undertaker, which will end up giving me a little turn, but then a strong fade. I also go with a lighter weighted 157 gram Sapphire in my non-windier days. And then for the windier days, I will go with something heavier at 165 gram Sapphire. 
which also has my dad's company, Simeon Brothers Creative, the sponsors of this episode, by the way. Go get your disc graphic design needs at my father's company, Simeon Brothers Creative. That actually has his company's uh, stamp on it, and it's actually very special to me. So, uh, for overstable shots, I'll go with a Colvern that's lighter weighted for in the non-windier days and a light heavier weighted for the windier days. And then also a DD3 that will help me get more distance. So... That is what I have in my bag. That is what I throw. Um, and believe it or not, actually, I'm always looking for more. So, you never can say you have enough discs. Which, to be honest, I have way too many. So, so but yeah, that's what I throw in mostly in my bag. Alright, moving in, as we're wrapping up here, I got about three minutes before my episode can end, because you're only allowed an hour on Anchor, uh, so, uh, first off, I want to talk about next week's episode real quick, we are going to be getting into uh, GMC, uh, recapping that a little bit, and also I'm going to talk a little bit more about Woodpecker Brigade Disc Golf, um, because I, I would have talked more about it today, but unfortunately, I do not have the time for it. Uh, I'll just give you a little cliff notes for in, up until to give you into next week's episode. Uh, basically, it's just a little disc golf company I want to start, a group I want to start on my own. Uh, it was based off my buddies and I, Alex Ator, Jack Fellenworth, uh, Alex Sherman and I. Uh, we used to just hit trees a lot when we used to play to the point where we were like, God, we're like a woodpecker brigade, just constantly hitting trees, and the name just kind of stuck. And so I'm kind of just trying to create a Facebook group and just a disc golf group in general based off that idea. So I'm going to be working with my dad in, on that ideas in the future. So look more for that info coming up on any episodes in the future. So, All right, everyone. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to my very first episode of Off the Chains. Again, this is my very first episode, and there was definitely a lot of mistakes that I easily could have avoided I could have fixed but you know what not everybody's going to be perfect on the very first episode of whatever they do or just anything in general any first thing ever they do in life so um, bear with me I will get it a lot better um, if there like I said earlier if there is anything that I need to work on uh, comment send it to me let me know and I will try and work on it as I kind of rushed this episode a little bit so hopefully I have more time I work on or give myself more time to work on next week's episode but other than that join me next week while I talk about GMC recap the match play event coming up and also I will have a very special guest on with me and that's a PDGA member since 2013 and one of my close personal good buddies PDGA member number 62332 Alex Ator will be on the show uh, if anyone knows Ator or has any questions for him that they want asked on the sh next week's episode, please message me on Facebook, Twitter, text, or even Snapchat if you have me on there. If I see it, I will try and add it to the show. Please, disc golf related only. Don't be asking weird questions because if you do, I will not. I will not air them. I will definitely not do that. So, please do not do that. I would really much appreciate that. So. Alright, other than that, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, tell someone you love them today, because not every day is guaranteed. 
And as Nick Carl would say, as he always says on the Nick and Matt show, I will see you all on the next one. Oh.